welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Hello, everybody. This is Evelyn Hershkowitz, Rita Services Librarian. And this is Turn the Page, Syosset Library Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today I have with me Nan Fisher, the author of Some of It Was Real, and it comes out on July 26th, which today is the 25th, so that is tomorrow. So it's a very exciting day for her. I'm just going to read a little bit about her biography, and then we'll get started speaking with Nan. Nan Fisher is the author of Some of It Was Real by Berkeley Publishing and the young adult novels When Elephants Fly and The Speed of Falling Objects. Additional author credits include Junior Jedi Knights, a middle grade Star Wars trilogy for Lucasfilms and co-authored sport autobiographies for elite athletes, including number one ranked tennis superstar Monica Seles, triple crown race winning jockey Julie Crone, Olympic gold medal speed skater Apollo Ono, Apollo Anton Ono, legendary gymnastics coach Bella Caroli and Olympian gold medalist Nadia Comaneci and Shannon Miller. Her honors include two-time Oregon Book Award finalist, Parade Top 20 Most Anticipated Books, and on and on and on. I'll just BuzzFeed Most Anticipated Contemporary YA New Releases. Nan is a graduate of Cornell University and former traveling writer for Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus, and senior campaign writer for the University of California, San Francisco. Nan's articles have appeared in Harper Bazaar, Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine, The Huffington Post, Powell's Book Blog, YA Book Central, Germ Magazine, Hyperbole, and School Library Journal. Nan lives in the Pacific Northwest with her husband, Henry. When she's not conjuring a story or reading, Nan can be found hiking, biking, kite surfing, skiing, or planning her family's next adventure. Wow, that sounds like a really full life, Nan. Thank you so much for coming and speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. So this is your debut adult novel? It is. It's my debut adult novel that comes out tomorrow, so I'm nervous. Sure, of course. Congratulations. Well, I read it and I loved it. So why don't we tell everybody what some of it was real is about? Sure. So first of all, thank you for reading it. And I'm so happy that you loved the story. I did. I need to hear that the day before pub day. (laughs) It's very helpful. So some of it was real is about a psychic named Sylvie who is on the verge of stardom, but is unsure of her gift. And a cynical journalist named Thomas, who has one last chance at redemption if he can prove that Sylvie's a fraud. So he sets a trap, she falls into it, and a tense game of cat and mouse ensues. But a very devastating mystery from her past draws them together. And they they start to have a connection but that secret might actually destroy them unless they can figure out what's real. I love things about psychics. Do you have any psychic abilities or what made you pick this topic? Well, I'm really fascinated with psychics too. I absolutely love anything that has to do with psychics, mostly because they, whether you, whether you believe in them or not, they have the ability to, um, really affect people's lives and change the course of their lives. When I was 22, I had, you had mentioned I'd worked for Ringling Brothers, Barnum Valley Circus, and I had left that job and moved to a small ski town in Colorado, um, trying to figure out what my next move was going to be. 
And I was taking a flight from Denver to Aspen and that flight's called the vomit comet because it's so bouncy that you get sick on the flight usually. So I sat down in my seat, I looked for the vomit bag and then I turned to the woman next to me, this beautiful older woman with silver hair. And I apologized. I said, sometimes I get sick on this flight. And she said, give me your palm. And she read my palm for the next hour. And it turned out she was a famous psychic who was on her way to Aspen to perform at a party. And um, she told me a lot of things. But the thing I remember most is at the end of the flight, I didn't throw up. So that was great because she kept my interest. But at the end of the flight, I said, am I ever going to get married? And she just looked at me with a twinkle in her eye and she said, if you want it enough. And that really changed kind of the way I looked at things because here was this famous psychic telling me I had control over my own destiny. And I really started looking at what I was doing in my life and how I, what I wanted. And instead of thinking that's not possible, like I could never be a novelist or, or whatever my dreams were at that moment, I started to think anything's possible if I wanted enough. So that I've had other experiences with psychics, but that one was really kind of the most profound for me. So that was the kind of the seed that started me wanting to write the story. And then I'm also really interested in imposter syndrome, which is not believing that you have the skills or deserve what, you know, what you have in life. And, and I'm interested in origin stories, which basically are the stories from our childhood that we use to define who we are and the choices we make as an adult. So those were kind of the three components that led to writing some of it was real. And what kind of research did you do? Did you go to some psychic shows? And- um, I didn't go to any psychic shows, but I watched every show on psychic and especially Tyler Henry. because mm-hmm. I, I, I love him. He has so much compassion for the people that he reads, whether or not you believe in what he does. Um, you can't deny the profound effect he has and the gift he gives to the people that he reads who are experiencing so much grief and, and sadness in their lives. And he helps people move on. So I watched that and seatbelt psychic on YouTube. I love that's I don't know that one. He picks people up in his car and reads them as an Uber driver. You can That's watch so him cool. on YouTube. So I'll I love that. that. Okay. Um, and then I, you know, I just, I read a ton of articles about psychics. I, I looked, you know, researched the history of psychics. I, um, I uh, read a lot of articles by people who spend their life trying to trap like Thomas does Sylvie and debunk psychics. And those articles were really interesting because a lot of the authors of those articles came to the same conclusion I did, which There was one article, and I can't remember the name of the writer, but he basically went in to trap a psychic, and he was in this auditorium, and by the end of the two hours, he said the pressure in the room and the feel of the room changed so much because all these people got what they needed from this psychic, and whether he believed or not, he realized it really didn't matter because these people were so much lighter when they left the room, and I loved reading, you know, stories that's kind of... Thomas, in a way, my, my, one of my main characters, you know, he doesn't believe he's a journalist. He believes in logic and reasoning and he can't wrap his mind around what Sylvie does yet. He, I don't want to give anything away, but an experience with her opens his mind to possibilities. Well, his mother was obsessed with that. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's researching was really fun for this yeah. book. Yeah. Um, I believe because my mother passed away this uh, July a year ago. And in December, we went to see a local, the Long Island medium. And oh, she, great. she actually read us. She came right up to us and read us. And almost everything she said was 100% spot on. And how did you feel after that? Like, what, how did you feel after that gift of having her? I, it felt good. It was, it was nice. It was nice to know that she was okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's the gift, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was something else. It's crazy. It's really, it's a great, it's a great gift that these people have, but I know there are so many people that do doubt it, but. Sure. And there are, there are plenty of people who I describe them as grief vampires. In, in I was going to ask you that. I have that written down. Yeah. And there are vampires. Plenty. Yes. Right. Where did you plenty. come up with that? Is well, that that's something that's written down? That's a known saying for, for people who are kind of hucksters who, who prey on, on people who are experiencing grief. And so that, that is, you know, in the industry of psychics, that's what people who don't believe call psychics. They call them grief vampires because they just, you know, suck the life and the money out of people who are experiencing grief and just looking for any way to feel better in their lives. Right. So I, I think there are plenty of those people, you know, um, right. But I also believe that that some of it's real. Yeah, that's true. There are plenty that are fake. Yes. Yes. But there are the ones that really they have the gift. Yes. They really do have the gift. It's it's unbelievable what they can do. It really is. So when how long did it take you to write this book? Well, um, I think from start to finish to pub date, the whole process has been about a year and a half. Okay. I, I write a pretty quick first draft. I wait until the story's in my head and I keep mulling it over and I wait until I can't stand it anymore. And then I start writing. And once I start writing, I put myself on a really tight schedule of, you know, get up at five in the morning, write for four or five hours, take a break and do something outside or something active and then edit what I've written. And I do that until the book is done. And usually right. that's about... I don't know, anywhere from a month to three months. And then the real work begins as you start editing what you've done. I always say the magic is in the editing because getting that first draft out, it's messy and it's not perfect. And there are tons of plot holes. And then I just start editing away. And that's that's when things get tighter and come together. And also when like your characters, when you first write them, you kind of know who they are, but you really discover who they are in the editing process and they become three-dimensional. And then once they're three-dimensional, they really guide the story and you start to understand what choices they would make or what choices they wouldn't make and what their flaws are and, and also the emotional journey that they need to go through from start to finish of the, of the story. Are you a planner or a pantser? No, I fly by the seat of my pants. I know the beginning and okay. I know the ending that I okay. think is going to happen, but I have no idea what's going to happen in the middle of a novel. I just, I, I allow in the things that fascinate me. For me, this time it was origin stories and imposter syndrome. Um, I allow those things in and then I just go down the rabbit hole and see where they're going to take me. And it, I find if I'm bored, then I'm going the wrong way. 
Um, I never want to be bored. And I hope when you were reading at the end of each chapter, you wanted to turn the page. Right. Absolutely did. Oh, good. Because for <laughs> me, so with, growing up, my parents, um, in order to teach us how to read, they would read one chapter of a Dickens novel um, right before bed. And Dickens wrote for newspapers. And so every chapter is a cliffhanger of every single one of his novels. And that really impressed upon me. First of all, it taught me to read very quickly because I was sneaking into the library and stealing the book and reading ahead once I could read. Um, but I also, I just want a story to be a great yarn well told. I want people to just want to keep turning the pages and find out what happens next. Did you always want to be an author? Um, it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to be an author, but I knew one of my only skills was, was imagination and writing. I'm horrible at math and science. Um, I'm not great at going to an office. Um, I just knew I needed something that allowed me the freedom to work on my own. Um, and it just became more and more apparent that I loved stories and that, that psychic who told me that if you wanted enough, once I realized what I kind of wanted to do, um, yeah, then I knew, I knew I wanted to be an author and I knew I was just going to keep trying until, until I figured it out. So you were a traveling writer for Ringling Brothers and Bonham and Belly Circus. Did you travel with them? I mean, did you go yeah. with them? Well, wow. I wasn't on the train that they used to travel by, okay. but um, I would go to whatever city. So for example, when they were in Manhattan, they were at Madison Square Garden for a right. month. So I would be at just a hotel for a month and go to the garden every day. I was writing stories about performers and putting them in a local entertainment section of a local newspaper. Yeah. So if it was at the garden, I'd be there for a month. If it was you know, in Birmingham, Alabama, I would be there for the run of the show and try and write articles that would go in the paper that would encourage people to go and see the show. Wow, that must've been a fun job. It was really interesting. The fun part of it were the human performers. The devastating part of it were the animal performers. Mm. And that's eventually why I left. I just couldn't handle seeing all those wild animals in captivity. And I was super happy when they sh shuttered their doors and, and were no more. So animals and circuses live really terrible lives. Oh. Yeah. Too bad. It is. It's really sad. But, you know, seeing the elephants was actually what inspired me to write When Elephants Fly, which was my first young adult novel, which was about this young um, girl who is trying to live a very careful life because her family has a history of schizophrenia. She's trying not to have any stress that might trigger the disease. And she witnesses the birth of an elephant at a zoo. And that elephant is rejected by its mother and then claimed by a, a small family circus. And she goes to help the transition for the mm -hmm. elephant at the circus because this young elephant calf bonded with her and discovers what a horrible life that would be and goes on this desperate road trip to save this elephant calf's life and also find her own version of freedom along the way. So Ringling gave me the gift of the inspiration of that story, which I hope shines a light on wild animals in captivity and also allows readers um, some gives them some information of what they can do to help. Um, sounds like a great book. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, no, it sounds really good. So after that, you started writing the young adult novels. 
So um, after that, I actually, I moved to Aspen. I was a ski bum for a year. Then I moved to San Francisco and I was the senior campaign writer for University of California, San Francisco, which taught me that I don't want to be a grant writer, but I do love writing. So I had met a woman who worked for Lucasfilm and I said to her, if you um, want me to write on spec, any ideas that you have on spec means for free. So for a year, this woman said, oh, I think maybe we want to do a book about a young Jedi. I'll write a few chapters for you for free because in the back of my head, I thought if I wanted enough, I got to figure out a way to be a writer full time, um, a creative writer. And eventually um, she gave me a trilogy, um, which was uh, about Anakin Solo, who's the youngest child of Han and Leia in the adult books. So I wrote that. And at the same time, I, um, I got my first sport autobiography, which was Bella Groly's story. So I started, I, I left UCSF when that happened and I did Lucasfilm and at the same, uh, or LucasArts and at the same time I did um, my first sport autobiography for Bella Caroli. And then I just started doing sport books. And then eventually that led to writing my first YA novel. Did you meet with all those athletes? Did you have I to? I did. I lived with a lot of them. Oh. Um, so with Bella, I would go to his ranch in Texas for two weeks, um, get all the information I needed, go home, transcribe it, start writing, then go back for two weeks. And I did that for probably four or five months. Um, some of them I spent more time with, some less. Monica Sellis, I traveled with her um, and also spent time in Florida where she lives. So each, each one was different in different durations, but you spend a ton of time together because it's an autobiography. So you have to learn how they talk and how to write in their voice. Was your, was your name on the books or were you a ghostwriter? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, it was Monica Sells with Nancy Richardson Fisher. Or okay. At the time it was Nancy Richardson um, before I was married. So yeah. yeah. Wow. That sounds like a fascinating life. Lucky you. It was, it was definitely interesting. You know, those, the sport autobiographies were interesting because you have to be a chameleon. So if a, an athlete says, I get up at four in the morning to work out, then I say, what a coincidence. I get up at four in the morning <laughs> to work out. Cause you need to spend a ton of time together, um, which was really fun. And it also taught me that I love writing. It gave me um, the skill set of being very organized with outlines um, which I don't do with novels, but I could do, but I don't do. Um, so, and it also taught me I wanted to write my own, my own stories, not somebody else's story. Even with Lucasfilm, you know, I, I, I was able to understand how to write fiction, but it still wasn't enough because I wanted it to be my story, not George Lucas's story. Right. Well, I'm glad you did because some of it was real, was excellent. Oh, thank you so I really, much. Really enjoyed it. It was it just I couldn't put it down. I spent the whole weekend reading. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. Thank you so much. I mean, I will I have the arc. I will certainly pass it on and we will have the book here in print and it'll also be available on Overdrive. So we'll get that book out to our patrons. Wonderful. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Do you have a tour coming up to promote the book? Um, just a, a lot of these kind of interviews online. I'm going to be at Powell's Bookstore in Beaverton, uh, Oregon, um, 
the 27th at 7 p.m. Um, so things like that, but it no in person other than that at okay. this point. Okay. Mostly Zooms. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's exciting though. At least you'll be in person in one place, which is nice. Yes, that'll be really nice. Things are opening up, although COVID seems to be rampant around here. I don't know what's going on up by you, but. Actually, I live in a, a small kind of tourist town and our numbers are crazy high right now. Yeah. So it's a lot of people coming in. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the tourists are coming. Yeah. Yeah. And they're unfortunately bringing it with them. <laughs> yes, and it, no one's really wearing masks anymore. So oh, I that, am. I got money. Yes, I, I love it. <laughs> I am too in the grocery store. Right, right. Nope, I'm definitely so. wearing masks. Not yes. taking any chances, that's for sure. So are you yeah. writing something now? Do you have something else in the works? I do. So my next novel will also be with Berkeley um, and that comes out next August. And it is about a young woman named Constance who, because of her family and her past, just desperately wants to be worthy of love. So when her boyfriend, who she hasn't known for very long, uh, asks her to marry him, she says yes, even though she's uncertain. And he gives her an antique engagement ring and it's a beautiful ring. And she starts to research it and discovers that the man who originally designed it was a, an American who was a volunteer ambulance driver in World War I. And he wrote letters home from the war to his sister that had been compiled into a book that's in a special collection area of her local library. So Constance goes to read those letters discovers this man as a kindred spirit. And because he's long deceased, she writes a note back to him, just telling him how afraid she is about, you know, she's uncertain of that she really knows her fiance and some of her family history. And then she goes back to read more letters and to take her note out of the book. She's embarrassed. And she discovers that this long dead man has written her back. Oh my gosh. So that's the start of the, wow. of the story. That sounds great. Does it have a title yet? Um, tentatively, it's going to be called the Book of Silver Linings. Oh, okay. So, so far, that's the title. Okay, good. Good. Now, I know the book's also coming out in audio. Yes. I have not been able to listen to it, although I'm a big audio book listener. Did you have a choice of who the narrator was? I did, and that's so much fun. They sent me four females and four male voices actors and then I got to pick from those people and it's funny because the producer of the audiobook said she never had someone turn around so quickly 30 seconds I when I heard their voices I wrote it right back and said these are my two this is Sylvia and this is Thomas so I haven't listened to it yet but I'm really excited to start listening to it do you remember the names of the audiobook narrators who you I chose don't. I oh, don't okay. but I can look it up and send it to you that's okay I, I'll be able to do that too I thought maybe we could just do it here. No, I, I don't remember their names, but I was just, I, they just had the right sound to me. They were the voices I heard in my head. Okay, great. Yeah, I just love that. And I love when it's it's more than one person. That's great. It's really fun. I've, I've not had a book read by more than one person. So yeah. I'm really excited. I know, I like when it's it. it's a cast. If you can, if you consider two a cast, but yes, yes. I like when, I like when it's more than one narrator. Although there are some narrators like, out there who are great with voices, so they could do it all. But that's true. I'm interested also to hear the animals because there are two animals in the story. Right. And I'm interested to hear if we ever hear 
from them at all. If you ever hear a meow or a bark from, mm-hmm. from Moose the dog. Right. Is this new book going to have animals in it too? Is that going to be your thing? I always, I'm a huge animal lover. So yes, this new book does have a, 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 um, a rescue dog named Growler. Okay. That's nice. That's great. Do you have animals yourself? I do. We have a uh, Vishla, which is a, a Hungarian hunting dog, even though he has no interest in hunting whatsoever, which makes <laughs> me happy, um, yeah. named Boone. And Boone shows up in every book that I write. He's almost 14 now. And he shows up his name and as a, as a dog in, a, in every book that I have. Okay. Where was he in some of it was real? Um, he was the dog in the neighbor's yard in her memory. From the wow. Park. Okay. Yes. Okay. He's always there. That's nice. That's nice. Uh, Are you an does. animal? Do you have pets? I have a dog. Yes. We have a rescue also. Oh, awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. Milo. He's a, he's a cutie. He's a, he's a good dog. He really just good. adds so much to your life. Mm-hmm. They really yes. do. My family adores him. That's the way it should be. Yeah, no, he's he's very spoiled. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> he, is. he is. He lives a very nice life, I have to say. Yeah, he was a rescue. His mom came over, came from Texas, I think it was, pregnant, and she had like nine puppies. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then um, a woman... We got it through Rough House Rescue is the name of the local rescue here. And a woman um, fostered all of them. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, it was very nice. Very nice. Awesome. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So, Nan, I thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Evelyn, for reading some of it was real. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm so glad you loved it. I did. I absolutely loved it. So thank you, Nan, for being with us. I'm going to close this chapter of Turn the Page and good luck with the book. And I'm going to make sure that I put this book into the hands of our patrons. Thank you very, very much. Stay cool out there. You too. I'm going to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Take care, Nan. Thank you so much. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.